eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, welcome in everybody to the flagship podcast. It is Halloween week. I am Chip Brown, joined by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, happy Halloween week. Happy Halloween, Chip. You going to dress up as uh, anything when you're in Stillwater for the Texas-Oklahoma State game on Saturday? Yes, I'm going to wear a mask. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to be a reporter covering a college football game in a pandemic. There you go. I'm going to wear a mask. Yeah, I dressed up as that early last week when uh, I was covering the Baylor game. So I didn't real. So that was my first game that I've had to cover. And I got to be honest, like, there were times where I'm like, how do like nurses or anybody wear these things all day long? Like I was, I was struggling. I had to go to the bathroom a few times and take that thing off so I can at least wipe the sweat that was uh, building underneath it. (laughs) Right. Cause it depends on what kind of mask you're working with. Like if you go with those blue masks and you wear them a little too long, they get a little fuzzy on the inside. Suddenly they're like itching your nose and it's kind of a mess. Yeah. But, um, Taylor, one thing that was not a mess for a change was Texas on the field at Baylor. Kind of, you know, that list of things to clean up we've been talking about that didn't seem to be shortening at all through the first four games of the season. Um, Well, certainly through the first three Big 12 games. It got a little shorter this week. Uh, we talked about that in the Reacts podcast, and that was good timing because they needed, Texas needed to clean some things up and maybe put some confidence in the tank because here comes Oklahoma State, a trip to Stillwater, three o'clock Saturday, Halloween. And um, Mike Gundy has his team uh, raring and ready to go. And they got Spencer Sanders back at quarterback last week and they beat Iowa State in a a really good test. Obviously Iowa State is a team that had it going after their their non-conference loss to Louisiana and and so Oklahoma State is the is the you know big dog right now. Obviously K-State is also undefeated. They lost in the non-conference to um, Arkansas State, but K-State has not um, well they don't have their starting quarterback they're playing with a freshman backup and that that speaks to Chris Kleiman and just what a great coaching job he's doing because they only had two starters back on offense and one of them was Skylar Thompson their quarterback and then he goes down in the Texas Tech game and he's been out for the last couple of games but K-State 
no problem. They go to TCU, they win. Uh, by the way, TCU has lost its first three home games for the first time in 20 years under Gary Patterson. And the only win that TCU has is at Texas. Sorry. <laughs> if Gary Patterson could coach the way, like all season long, the way he coaches when TCU plays Texas, TCU would be a contender every single season. He gets up, he gets his team up so big for Texas. And then it's like the, you know, the, it's like Texas is their slump buster and then they go back into their slump. It's like, what the heck is True. going on? You True. Know? They're like two and seven after uh, games against Texas. And they're, they're like one and nine against OU. It's like crazy. They yeah. cannot beat OU, but they can beat Texas. No problem. Just uh, any coach too, apparently at Texas, not just right. Herman or Charlie right. Strong. They beat Mac Brown too. <laughs> so not that action. But um, yeah, so Oklahoma State and Taylor, it's, it's been interesting listening to Tom Herman and the players this week because, look, they beat Oklahoma State last year in a really compelling game. It was 36-30. Texas ran the ball. Sam Ellinger played great. He was, you know, threw for four touchdowns, no interceptions. Keontae Ingram ran 21 times for 114 yards, 5.4 yards per carry. He's one of his best games as a Longhorn. And they held Chuba Hubbard in check. And and Spencer Sanders was a first-time starter at quarterback, so he was just starting to figure some things out. And, and Tylen Wallace was still healthy at that point. Then Tylen Wallace went down with a season-ending knee injury. Now they're all back. They're all a year wiser and the Oklahoma State defense might be the biggest story we have to talk about this week because they had 10 starters back from last year and they are number one in the Big 12 in scoring defense. They're number one in third down defense, number three nationally, only allowing uh, teams to convert third down 19% of the time. I mean, you would take 33%. Right. You know, most, most teams shoot for 33% or below. 19% is ridiculous. So this is for a Texas offense that kind of had to channel things down last week against Baylor and run the football to keep its defense off the field. They, they better know exactly what they're doing going into this game in Stillwater because um, for Mike Yersich and – that will be part of our conversation today. Mike Yursich, who was the play caller for Mike Gundy for six years from 2013 to 2018, by the way, they went five and one against Texas in that stretch, is now calling plays for Texas. And who has the advantage there, right? Gundy and uh, Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator, because they used to go up against Yursich in practice. They kind of know his tendencies. Or Yursich, who knows how Jim Knowles thinks on the defensive side. It's going to be fun. Yeah, for sure. You know, Tom Herman talked about, um, or he was asked uh, during his Monday press conference earlier in the week about, you know, what type of advantage Texas has with having Mike Yersich on the staff. But really, Chip, I think the question more so is what type of advantage does Oklahoma State have with Mike Yersich being on the Texas staff? Because, you know, Mike Gundy, his teams have performed, you know, historically pretty well against Texas and the years that they were 
winning a lot. Mike Yersich was there, but the reality is, you know, they've been able to game plan against Tom Herman type of offense. They are going to know what Mike Yersich kind of brings to the table. So I'm really curious to see how this benefits Oklahoma State more, more so probably than Texas. You know, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think right now, what Gundy has is comfortability because he's got the same crew. I mean, he's changed his offensive coordinator and he promoted his receivers coach to be the play caller um, because Sean Gleason moved on. Gundy's coaches get hired. I mean, even Mike Yersich got hired at Ohio State, then Sean Gleason, who came in for one year. So Gundy promoted his receivers coach, but Jim Knowles has been the defensive coordinator <clears throat> with these with these guys who are, as Tom Herman pointed out, a bunch of juniors and seniors. What nine of the eleven are juniors and seniors? Six of them are are red shirt guys. So they're twenty two or twenty three year old men. It sounds like Texas is playing BYU, <laughs> Taylor. Like after all the guys have come back from their mission or something. But I think. I, I think the all the check marks go to Oklahoma State this week. They have the continuity. They have the familiarity. These players know their system, both sides of the ball. In fact, Tom Herman tried to downplay Yursich's knowledge of these players, even though Yursich was there in 18, because they've gotten so much better and more comfortable under Jim Knowles that they're playing closer to the line of scrimmage. They're basically playing nine guys close to the line of scrimmage and playing man, you know, uh, coverage on the outside. And they're going to load the box and dare you to, or try to keep you from running it and, and entice you into throwing it. And I mean, I just give all the check marks to Oklahoma State this week. I mean, this is going to take by far the best performance from Texas that we've seen. And this is another interesting thing that came up this week, Taylor, when um, Tom Herman was asked, you know, you haven't played your A game yet this year. Herman volunteered. Yeah, we probably haven't played our A game since the Alamo Bowl last year mm-hmm. against Utah. That was under a different coaching staff. Right. I mean, that doesn't – that. That's a ooh, that's a cringe. Oh yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know, one thing to think about, Chip, is Tom Herman talked about how one thing that the the Texas receivers have kind of struggled with this season is going up against man coverage. So I'm really curious, you know, if if the way that the Oklahoma State you know, uh, defense plays, you know, stacking the box and um, basically forcing opponents to throw the ball. And if that's a position where Texas is struggling, you know, uh, against man coverage, then that's going to be something to watch for sure. But, you know, bringing up, you know, Tom Herman saying that about the, uh, you know, the Alamo Bowl game, it's kind of ironic, you know, because he's talking, he's talking up Mike Gundy, he's talking up Oklahoma State and their consistency and how that's benefited them. And, you know, he admits in the same press conference that that his team hasn't played his aim game since the Alamo Bowl under a different staff. Well, then that begs the question, why was he so quick to fire seven coaches 
um, you know, after his, or in his third season as a head coach at Texas, consistency matters. And especially when you're dealing with college athletics, because these are players, these aren't professionals. You know, there are very, very, very few people in in football history, probably that could have went from high school to the NFL. Um, my father-in-law, he has been a longtime coach in the state of Texas. He actually coached in Palestine. Um, he didn't get to coach Adrian Peterson, but he was in, uh, in at Palestine. He was the athletic director and head coach before Adrian Peterson um, was in high school. And then he did end up watching Adrian Peterson. He said that Adrian Peterson is probably the only player he's ever seen in his entire career. And he coached for 30 some years who would, who may have been ready to go from high school to the professional ranks. So that just shows that there's so much learning that takes place when, um, you know, football players enter, enter the college game. That's why a lot of times these five stars, people expect them to come and be a five star from day one. But the reality is it's a totally different game. It's a different speed. So you, it, it's really important, I think, for the, the learning curve and the understanding of a team to keep consistency within the, the organization within the program. And that's the absolute opposite of what Texas has done basically over the last decade. You know, it's been just a constant rotating door of changes on the coaching staff, whether it's from the head coach to coordinators to assistant coaches or whatever it may be. There's been so much change over the last 10 years. And I think that that is something that you have to really consider. You know, it's one down year. It's should you fire all of your coaches? And Mike Gundy, I think, has proven, like, maybe you don't. Maybe you, you ride it out. You let these players learn in a system, learn the consistency, the, you know, the techniques that are needed, the discipline that's needed, everything that goes into it, and then stick with it if you believe in that system. It just kind of makes me think that, you know, this is the difference between Mike Gundy as a head coach and Tom Herman as a head coach, because I think Gundy recognizes that. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I'm not going to go back and revise history here. I've, I'm on the record. I've been on the record saying Tom Herman should have fired Tim Beck after the 10-win season when he knew already that, that Beck was no longer calling the plays. I thought the defense actually got better last year as it went along. Now it drove me crazy that Orlando played undersized defensive ends in the four-eye technique. Um, but he actually had the personnel to run guys in the four eye this year with guys like Tavondre Sweat and Moro Jomo, bigger guys, guys who can split double teams, be disruptive despite getting double teamed. And nonetheless, I mean, I'll be honest, I was surprised he fired Todd Orlando. Um, he just had given him a new deal and a raise and a guaranteed year that Texas had to eat. But Tom Herman was fixated on Chris Ash from their days at Ohio State. Now Texas's defense is plugging holes with, you know, they got more holes than they got fingers, although they looked better against Baylor, a team that didn't practice for from October 7th to last Sunday and, you know, is, is a mess. I mean, two of their running backs tried to opt out of the season after the Texas game and, Apparently the coaching staff, I mean, John Lovett and Tristan Ebner, they're two of their best players tried to opt out and the coaching staff talked him into continuing to play. I mean, Baylor's a mess. So yeah, yeah. It, it, you can't take much from this win that Texas had. They looked really good getting to 27 to three and then they didn't look so good giving up a 13 zip fourth quarter, but right. 
we digress. The, the bottom line is Mike Gundy is the guy with the continuity and he's the guy with the best team in the conference right now. And the million dollar question is, can Texas get it together, put it all together? They're a talented team. Mike Gundy said they're the most talented team in the league, which is a shot, folks. That is a shot. In fact, Mike Gundy even joked, I wrote about this in the morning brew uh, this on uh, Tuesday morning that Gundy said, typically Texas comes in every December and flips one of our recruits and, you know, ends up with the highest ranked recruiting class in the conference. And I don't know that we have one player who held a Texas offer, he said. So, you know, it's a, that's a shot. I mean, that's a smugalicious shot from Gundy, who's great at that stuff. And he says it with a smile and, and oh me, oh my, you know, we're over here with our, with our three stars and our 30th ranked recruiting classes. And by the way, we're in first place in, in 2020. So, I mean, I look at this thing, Taylor, and no matter how I slice it, I look at Oklahoma State offensively. Their offensive line is not great, okay? Mike Gundy even admitted that on Monday, said our offense is a little limited right now. We, we'll go as our offensive line goes. As they get better, we can add more stuff. Okay, fine. Their defense is giving up 12 points per game. They are sick on third down. I mean, people are not converting third downs, and Texas – is giving up third downs and their Oklahoma state's offense converts third down. Right. So, you know, you look and they're running the ball, they're running the ball for over 200 yards a game. They look like they know what's going on. And, um, Spencer Sanders turned it over a couple times against Iowa state. You got to hope for that. You got to hope that Oklahoma state turns it over. They actually, uh, turned it over against Texas last year. And, you got to hope for that if you're Texas and, and you can't be the one making the mistakes. And Texas has one game where they weren't the ones making the mistakes. Yeah. Well, technically too, if we talk about UTEP, but yeah, in, in conference play for sure, you know, that's, that's going to be key to this game. And, um, you know, I think the thing with Oklahoma state, you know, their offensive line may be a little suspect right now, but Chip, they have, you know, Chuba Hubbard is one of the best running backs probably in the conference. Um, him and Brees Hall, I think, are probably, you know, one and two, one A, one B. And then Tylen Wallace, my goodness, this guy is an absolute freak of nature. I mean, this is one of the most explosive playmakers in the Big 12 conference this year. Maybe if in college football, honestly, he's one of the top for sure. And so it helps when you have those go-to guys, you know, one thing that I thought was really interesting to come out of the play, the Texas players this week was, you know, both. So Sam Ellinger discussed how um, it's difficult to stay in uh, or to get kind of in a rhythm at, with the receivers when guys are, are rotating so much at receiver. And then, um, you know, Keontae Ingram also talked about how it's difficult for the running backs to get into a rhythm uh, when they're rotating so much 
at running back. And so this is kind of a situation where this is almost the opposite of what Mike Gundy and what Oklahoma State has. You know, there's a go-to running back in Chuba Hubbard. There's a go-to receiver in Tylon Wallace. Who are those guys for Texas this year? And how much of that, the lack, you know, that we're in here, what, five games into the season entering uh, game number six on the schedule. So more than halfway through the season, at what point is this going to be kind of Texas Achilles heel? That's a great point, Taylor. And and actually, Oklahoma State has a couple of backs because L.D. Brown is a guy that you have to keep an eye on in addition to Chuba Hubbard. And um, they they know who they are. I mean, Jelani Woods at receiver. Um, Logan Carter. Dylan Stoner has been around forever. He's like in his eighth year. So it's yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State knows who they are, and and they are playing with a ton of confidence. I mean, they've gotten better each week, and that's the sign of a well-coached team. And and now um, Texas has been getting better. And even though the players and the coaches are saying they've been getting better, we we didn't see improvement from the from the TCU from the Texas Tech game to the TCU game to the Oklahoma game. If anything, we saw more of a more finger painting more spilled paint more just it was a mess right we talked about the first three quarters of the OU game were like really hard to watch just awful football so here we are if Texas could somehow like convince themselves like David Copperfield that they are a you know you know that guy who looks in the mirror and sees a way better looking guy than is in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And he walks out and he's walking into the club, like, you know, with the gold chains and he's thinking, Hey ladies, (laughs) that, that I fear that's Texas, right? They're whatever confidence they have. It's kind of puffed up. It's, it's a little, you know, they're looking in the mirror, but they're not seeing the real, Guy, I, I mean, I hope I'm wrong for, for Texas players' sake. I mean, we, we've covered these guys for three, four years. You get to know them. You want the best for them. Uh, but there's just been so much transition. And, and the, the whole, you know, is this team together still? That question lingers. And I know they've put the eyes behind them. I don't know that it has anything to do with the eyes. I think, I think you had some stuff from the social justice stuff over the summer that caused some, you know, question marks about whether guys wanted to play football or not. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if those questions persist or not, but something's still off. You can hear it when the players are talking. I mean, Cade Brewer said this week, uh, Tom Herman did a great job of telling everyone to check their egos at the door at the Alamo Bowl when they went out and played their A game. And the players did, and they played for each other. They stopped thinking about themselves or doing it for themselves. They started thinking about doing it for the guy next to them, and it worked. Well, where I mean, Sam Ellinger basically said the same thing when he challenged his teammates to be more accountable and more attention to detail, and then they went out and spit all over themselves against Oklahoma. So I just, I don't know. There's, there's a disconnect in here somewhere. If they can figure it out, great. And I'll be amazed 
but um, I'm not expecting that. I'm I'm expecting Oklahoma State to to look like the team that handled its business last week against Iowa State and 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 then maybe be pleasantly surprised by the Longhorns. Uh, yeah. It's just been a weird year. Yeah, I mean, you you hit it right there. You know, I don't think that the eyes issue was really the the only issue. I think that the outside noise made that the focus of the issue, but you know, I do agree. I don't think I don't it you you know, you can't just you, I'm going to I'm going to pull a quote from Urban Meyer. You can't just sprinkle pixie dust on something and then think it's going to work. You know, it's it's not going it, it it doesn't happen overnight and this team has had enough questions that you know, these issues are much deeper, I think, than the eyes of Texas issue. And it's kind of ironic, Chip, because, you know, this, uh, this summer, their question about Big 12 teams was Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy has lost control of that locker room because of all these social justice issues and everything. Well, it, clearly, if he did, they're still playing for him or for each other or for somebody because they're actually taking care of business where then you have Texas that you know, is not doing that and not handling that and talking about the ego problem. I mean, if the Alamo Bowl was, you know, the last time Texas put together an A game and and a lot of it had to do with checking your ego at the door, are we seeing that this year? Because I've seen more players flex after making very routine tackles or, you know, giving up a first down on a 13-yard run and then just because you tackled a player, you stand up and flex. That's an ego. That's a me team. That's a me mentality. And that's going to be something that could bite Texas, especially when facing a team like Oklahoma State, who is not that type of team. Right. I mean, we no one's talking about how Gundy took a million dollars less in salary and shortened his contract and made financial sacrifices which I still didn't quite understand why all that stuff happened. It almost seemed like, hey, let's make this easier for both of us if we want to get out of this deal. But yet his team's playing great. Yeah. So it, you're right. I mean, it's been, a, it's been um, Texas that's, as T- Sam Ellinger has said over and over again, we can't get out of our own way, unforced errors, self-inflicted wounds. And when I asked Sam about that this week, because of the, again, the comments about the Alamo Bowl, and that was the last A game, and players checked their egos at the door, Sam just talked about social media and said, in this day and age of social media, and, and guys, or he said, you know, people my age tending to get their self-worth from social media at times it can be that can be a dangerous place so clearly not everyone is off twitter or off social media and and focused on doing it for the guy next to them so we'll see we'll see but just pointing out the the clouds over the you know when the seagulls gather cuz the the shark is is moving in it just feels like that this week for the Longhorns and we'll see if, if, I mean, I wrote about this on Sunday, Tom Herman, remember when he came to Texas, he was six and zero against AP ranked teams. He was the giant killer at Houston. He beat top 10 teams, Florida state and Oklahoma. They were the more physical team. They, they beat up Baker Mayfield, sacked him, 
of course, they had Ed Oliver. Um, <laughs> but they they were 6-0 and when Tom Herman came to Texas against AP-ranked teams. And then since he's been at Texas, he's lost seven games to unranked teams, the most in that span in FBS. So he had the reputation as the guy who could get his team up for the big games, but not the little games. Well, this is a big game. This is a top 10 team. Oklahoma State's number six. Can Tom Herman come up with some, not pixie dust, but some, you know, the locker room speech of his life or whatever. I just, if he could have done that, I think we would have seen it um, back before TCU, before OU. Yeah, I agree with that, Chip. And, you know, we'll we'll continue this uh, type of topic. Actually, we have a number of love it or leave it topics that are focused on the Oklahoma State game, the Texas locker room. Uh, but before we get to those, we're going to take a very quick break. Um, one thing we ask that all of our listeners do, if you could head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review or uh, rating, then maybe a review if you like what you're listening to for us and um, all of our Horns 24-7 team of podcasts. We'd really appreciate that, but definitely don't go anywhere. We will be right back after a very quick break, continuing this topic about Texas and Oklahoma State in Love It or Leave It. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast introducing the two-way v4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell each step feels explosive delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience maximum comfort throughout the game its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com all right, Taylor. Um, I'm very excited for Love It or Leave It this week. I mean, I'm always excited. I think our fans are excited. We should have Love It or Leave It flagship podcast t-shirts. Yeah. For crying out loud. Tell your, tell your friends and enemies. This is the fastest growing Longhorns podcast um, anywhere. So, you know, come on in. Come one, come all. And Taylor, you ready for some Love It or Leave It? I certainly am, Chip. All right. So... Uh, I'm going to pose some of these topics at you. If you agree, go ahead and love it. Disagree, go ahead and leave it. And I'm going to 
um, start right with this. So this week, Mike Gundy, as you had mentioned earlier, said that with the way that Texas recruits, the Longhorns are the most talented team in the Big 12 Conference. Love it or leave it, you agree with Gundy. Okay, so this is, for me, it's, I mean, if we're just talking like straight up recruiting talent, then I'll love this. But to me, talent is evaluated character is is the person a heart and soul player because Jordy Nelson at K-State was a walk-on who played himself into an NFL stud mm-hmm. and to me talent is more than just measurables so I'm going to leave this because I keep seeing coaches doing more with less and at Texas this year, it feels like Tom Herman's doing less with more. Right. And these are his kids. These are his recruits. And I'm not bagging on the players. I'm not. And I don't. I can't stand it when things start to go south. Like at Baylor. Baylor fans are mad at Charlie Brewer. Are you kidding me? Charlie yeah, yeah. Brewer was a monster and won three, you know, neck and neck by the skin of your teeth games last year. In an 11-1 regular season, the guy went 99 yards to get into overtime with Texas Tech and then won the game. I mean, it's ridiculous just because Larry Fedora is terrible or hasn't called plays in 10 years and that Baylor offense has fallen off a cliff and running backs are trying to opt out of the season because they can't stand it, that we, we bag on the players. Look, coaching change or not, pandemic or not, this was the decision of Tom Herman, um, and it's not fair, but life isn't fair. Right. You know, he, he didn't make coaching changes thinking there could be a pandemic. I, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't make coaching changes. That's life. And, and now he's got to, you know, play catch up. Every press conference now talks about, well, we've, we've had to install a new offense, new defense, new special things. Well, you didn't have to fire Todd Orlando. Right. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to leave this, Taylor. And did they really install a new offense or did they just tweak and bold <laughs> Tom Herman's offense with some of Mike Yerses? Because, I mean, it's, well, it's not much different. Let's, it's that not. was the funniest line to me from Gundy this week. He said, because he was asked, what, what, you know, where do you see Yersich's fingerprints on that Texas offense? He said, well, the, the, the tempo stuff and the RPO stuff is Yersich. He said the quarterback run game was there before he got there. He said, so there must have been some bipartisan agreement on how they were going to run the offense, which is just funny. And, and clearly, last week, that was all Tom Herman dictating to Mike Yersich, we got to run the ball to slow the game down and protect our defense, play complementary football, and it worked. Mm-hmm. But Mike Yersich isn't getting to run the stuff he wants to run. He's not getting to run tempo right now because they're, they're, Texas defense can't, can't handle it. Right. They're getting left out on the field for 12 minutes longer than the other team against OU and TCU. And they're exhausted and playing 98 plays and it's ridiculous. So because the defense is so bad or not listening or doesn't know what they're doing, the offense has to channel down, play complimentary football. And look, that's part of it. That's part of it. Your can handle that. But nonetheless, I just thought that was funny. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm going to, I think I, I, I kind of with you on this, with the, the talent aspect of it, does Texas have the best quote unquote overall talent, raw talent available on its roster? Yes. And the, cause I, I trust the recruiting rankings. I right. know how hard our recruiting team at 24 seven um, works. I know how much effort they put into it. I mean, I know how many games they get. It's, it's, you know, people want to say the rankings are, you know, inflated or whatever. No, they get it right more times than not. And that's been proven. So I'm going to trust them. Um, where I'm going to, I kind of feel is Texas doesn't have a talent problem. It has a development problem. You know, this is, this is a team that's not develop, developing in my opinion. Um, you know, this is, or hasn't, I shouldn't say not developing, hasn't, you know, developed some of the players the way that you would have expected some of them, especially now that they're upperclassmen, whether that has to do with the, you know, um, the coach, I, I think coaching changes probably impact that a lot, you know, not having a consistent position coach or um, coordinator that you are, you know, you getting used to as a freshman, sophomore, then you get to your upperclassmen years, and then you have to learn an entirely new thing that probably plays into it. But that again is on Tom Herman. He made that decision. That was on him. So, you know, I think from a talent standpoint, sure, I guess I do love this from a raw talent standpoint, but I think the the difference is other teams are, as you said, are developing their players more. I mean, it's in K-State's the perfect one. And Mike, I mean, uh, excuse me, Bill Snyder, he's, I, they call him the purple wizard for a reason, you know? I mean, he did some amazing things up there because he and his coaches knew how to get the most out of their players, even if they were getting walk-ons. And, you know, the best recruits that they sign are low three-star, you know, out of high school. So um, this is more of a development problem because the talent is there. Everything, I mean, Texas right this season um, is the number five team in the 2020 team composite talent, which, you know, that's, that's they're they're essentially outside the top you know college football playoff contenders right now and they are you know three and two so uh, yeah I I think the talent's definitely there so I guess I'll love it I'll go a little bit against that um, but do something with that talent how about that Tom all right yeah. next Quick. Quick. <laughs> all right Chip uh, as we talked about this a little bit in the open but I'm going to ask you love it or leave it the Alamo Bowl game was truly Texas's last A game. Yes. Yes. I will love that. And remember they were, they got off to a slow start in that game. The, the game kind of turned on the Deshaun Jameson 71 yard return that set up a score and, and kind of got Texas going in that game. And they pulled away in the second half defense played great. Joseph Osai, my goodness, three sacks, six tackles for loss, almost set the school single game record. Uh, for tackles for loss and and Ellinger got it going. I mean, it it um, it was it was the last complete game. They dominated a good team. Um, Utah was number eleven at that time and a little bit one dimensional, a little bit heavy on the run. But that um, that's you got to stop the run. I mean, and that's going to be a big part of this this week because Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard. Um, they got guys who can, who can scoot and, and Texas is, is done an okay job on, you know, stopping the run. Now they got to do it again. They held Chuba Hubbard to 3.4 yards per carry last year when he was the nation's leading rusher. Same players are back. 
minus Malcolm Roach and um, um, uh, Brandon Jones. So, you know, let's, let's see it because, um, you know, it's just uh, it, it, the, the recipe is, is simple. So put the ingredients in and, and let's see if, if you can, uh, can dial it up. I mean, this is what Chris Ash was brought in for. So let's see if he can tap the brakes or turn over the Cowboys. But yeah, I will love it that the Alamo Bowl, sadly, a year ago under a different coaching staff was Texas's last A game. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to love that. And, um, you know, it, it is kind of interesting. You bring up Joseph Osai and like how well Texas on defense was able to pressure Utah's um, quarterback. And then this week, Tom Herman said that, you know, the stats are skewed. This is his, his words, not mine. The stats are skewed um, against Texas' actual production uh, of getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And then he went on to say that Texas has actually gotten more pressure on quarterbacks this season than ever during his time at Texas. And the part of me is kind of like, I know that sacks, obviously, that's not the only thing that you look at when you're talking about getting pressure on the quarterback. We've talked about this a lot. But how many sacks did Joseph Osai have in the Utah game? Three. Three. And how Texas many did they have five as a team? In yeah. Big 12 play. Yeah. So I'm and only so 10 quarterback hurries. I mean, yeah. So he said, yeah, we've affected the quarterback more uh, this year than at any time in our tenure in the, in the four years. So I almost choked when he said that. I, I seriously, like, it was on a Zoom call and I had to like kind of cover my mouth because I didn't want to start laughing because I literally was just like, you don't think any of us believe this, right? Like, do you, if you believe this, I'm, I'm concerned for your mental well-being because nobody else in their right mind would believe this. But I digress, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, they got to turn it loose. They got to turn it loose. And, and that's, that's Mark Hagan and Oscar Giles. Because you got to stop the run on the way to the quarterback. And it's funny, Tim Crowder, of course, member of the 2005 Texas National Championship team, said this could be a problem for these guys because they've been playing in the four-eye and where they've had to kind of hold and react. And now they need to get upfield because they're not blitzing. I mean, Chris Ash is counting on that front four to get there and bring the pressure so that they don't have to cheat. They don't have to blitz. He can still zone blitz. He hasn't even been doing that. I don't know what wrinkles he would maybe spring this week, but I thought this front four would be good enough to to get pressure without having to blitz, and it just hasn't it hasn't materialized the way that I expected. I mean, you look at Oklahoma State with Calvin Bundage and Trace Ford; each of those guys have three and a half sacks. So between you know two of their players have seven sacks. That's more than the entire Texas team for the season, which has six. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. All right. So we're going to follow up the Alamo Bowl question with this. Um, as we had mentioned, Kate Brewer said this week that the reason Texas played its A game against Utah is because Tom Herman told the team to check their ego at the door. So Chip, I ask you, love it or leave it, this Texas team in 2020 has a major ego problem. Yeah, it does. I'm going to love this because there's disconnects in here. I mean, when Sam Ellinger makes a call to arms after the TCU loss and says, I'm not having friendly conversations about mistakes anymore, 
which means he probably needs to pull his buddy Derek Kerstetter aside and say, yo, DK. Yeah. If you can see the guy's back, don't shove him. Especially like <laughs> into a coach. Oh my gosh. But he said, I'm not having friendly conversations about mistakes anymore. We have to be more accountable. There has to be more attention to detail. He, he said, me included with protecting the football. And then they go out and they throw up all over themselves against OU. Man, there is a disconnect in there somewhere. And I don't know if it's guys. Um, I mean, the reference to social media that we talked about earlier that Sam referenced, guys getting too much of their value from that um, and not just putting stuff aside and making it about football when the team is, you know, the team, the team, the team. I just think there is something going on there where they're not fully together. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it has anything to do with the eyes of Texas either. Yeah. I think it, I think there's other stuff in there. I think there's some inherent selfishness that either the player leadership or the coaching leadership has not been able to root out. And maybe they're, maybe they figured something out in the bye week that started to show up against Baylor and maybe it gets better this week against Oklahoma state. But because we only have one week of improvement and we have previous examples of lack of improvement, I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt anymore. I said that, on the podcast the last, you know, the last two weeks, I'm not giving this team the benefit of the doubt anymore. It's show me, don't tell me, uh, from, from here on out. So yeah, I'm going to love this. Yeah. How about you Taylor? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that, uh, this is a hundred percent, a team that has an ego problem. This is a me mentality right now. Um, and that's a huge problem. We've seen this in te at Texas over the years. We've seen this type of personality um, play through and it usually doesn't end up, end up well for the Longhorns. You know, I just, I go back to, for instance, you know, talking even the social media aspect too, you know, during the Oklahoma game, Charles Aminihu tweeted uh, that he tweeted, I just found it, it says, why is 15 flexing after the other team got a whole first down? And I was talking about Chris Brown. Now, I'm going to preface this. I really like Chris Brown as a player. I've always liked him. I think he, you know, he's fiery. He's um, passionate and all of that. Um, although I, I thought the exact same thing that Charles Menehue says. Like, you don't flex after you give up a first down. Like, what, just because you made a routine tackle, that's an ego. And then, to follow it up, Chris Brown went after Charles Menehue and called him out. And I'm sitting there thinking, hold on a second here. You are calling out and talking trash to a former Texas player who was drafted and is a starter in the NFL for the Houston Texas on the defensive line. And you're going to talk trash to him like that? That, that goes to show even more so, in my opinion, how much of an ego problem this team has. And I know we're just talking about one player, and I'm not, I don't mean to call Chris Brown out. It's not just him. I think that this is um, probably a, a common feeling throughout the locker room, and that's got to end. And if, they, if, if Tom Herman's not getting it to stop, Sam Ellinger isn't getting the players to stop, then it's not going to stop probably. So this could, I don't know, this could really, really, really hurt um, Texas, but at the end of the day, that falls on Tom Herman's shoulder. It's, it's his job to keep that locker room together, to build the team mentality. And if this is a me mentality, then it starts with the head coach, in my opinion. Well, and I'm hearing that most of that ego stuff is on the defensive side, and that would make sense. That's the side of the ball that has struggled the most. 
and maybe the side of the ball that might not listen to Sam Ellinger as closely mm-hmm. as is maybe players on the offense, which again, Texas leads the nation in scoring. So, well, I, I need to check that. I, they didn't score as many points against Baylor or they were leading the nation in scoring going into the Baylor game. Yeah. Um, so, and as I grab my, my stats here, they are leading the big 12 in scoring with 45 points per game. Um, the defense not leading the big 12. So, yeah. And you don't want it to be about fingers pointing or man, get your side of the ball together. It's got to be all together, mm-hmm. all together. Yep, absolutely. All right. So, Chip, one more for you. Okay. This Halloween gonna, week. Yeah, this is going to be one that I, I think some uh, some Texas fans may not like this one, but I'm going to I'm going to I'll have one. I'll have one for you after this. Okay, okay, sounds good. All right. Love it or leave it. The Texas defense would have been playing better this year if Tom Herman would have kept Todd Orlando and the defensive staff. I mean, it's hard for me not to love this because as we were just talking about the ego or whatever's going on on the defensive side, I didn't see that stuff under Todd Orlando. Now, again, some of the four-eye stuff drove me crazy because why would I put undersized guys in in a double team situation? Why would I put natural pass rushers in a double team situation? I want to have a little more flexibility. Well, this is, this is the year they were built for the four eye with guys like Moro Jomo and, you know, Tavondre sweat, Keandre Coburn. They had a real three man line there, Alfred Collins. And, and I just get the feeling, the continuity, everything, they would have been playing better defense under Todd Orlando. They haven't had the injuries. I mean, Delia a day away injury is, is certainly hurt. Not that he was playing at a high level, but he needed to develop. Mm-hmm. Delia day away needed to be on the field to develop. He's just like, seems like every time he's getting ready to be on the field to develop, he gets hurt. And it, it's just been a series of, of stops in his development, but um, yeah, I'm going to love this. I, you know, again, that defense played great in the Alamo bowl under Craig Niver. Craig Niver was a a guy who had a personality. I think the players responded to him. Um, Orlando's a a different dude, but he, he took some of the blame for stuff in the past and, and stood by his guys. I I don't know. It's uh, that was a weird one to me, but, I just get the feeling they would have been playing better defense because they would have been in the same system and would have had familiarity. And now they're trying to get to know not only Chris Ash, but Coleman Hutzler as the linebackers coach, Mark Hagan as the D line coach, Chris Ash as the safeties coach, Jay Valai as the cornerbacks. It's all new. Mm-hmm. And, and if they're, if, if, if kids are not feeling it, then they start to do selfish things. Yep. So, yeah. I'm going to love that. How about you? I'm going to love it too. Um, I, I will say that I did think, you know, it was kind of weird last year when, you know, when Texas or when the NCAA allowed there to be 10 assistant coaches, Texas added another coach on the offensive side of the ball, even though um, there already were more offensive coaches and defense coaches. I think that what could have helped Texas if, if 
you know, Tom Herman would have kept Todd Orlando is to allow the defense to hire an additional coach. So that way it was even because last year, you know, there were six offensive coaches and then there's only four on defense. So, um, but I do agree. I think that consistency is huge. Um, Not a single defensive coordinator that I have covered in my career has ever been able to or um, coach their recruits, the guys that they actually brought in. So their first full recruiting cycle on as upperclassmen. So no wonder why <laughs> this has been a consistent issue. You know, I mean, Todd, Todd Orlando's first and the defensive staff's first, you know, signing class was that 2018 class. They're just now juniors. And a lot of them are true juniors because they were, you know, relied upon so early because of injuries and whatever other reasons that played into the, you know, into that equation. But yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that Texas would have been in a much better scenario. Um, I think I agree with you. I think that if uh, Tom Herman probably should have made a a move for a play caller following the 2018 season. Um, But yeah, I think that this defense would be much better probably at this point. We wouldn't be talking about these egos or me issues or anything. I don't think because as you had said, we never saw that. We never, even in 2017, when Todd Orlando, you know, led that defense and the staff led that defense to be like one of the better ones in the big 12 conference. And those were veteran players. You didn't see them acting the way that you see Texas acting now. So it's hard not to play the what if game, but I would imagine that Todd Orlando's probably, and a lot of those coaches probably are a lot happier now that they're at other places. I mean, Orlando's in, or Niver and Orlando are both in uh, Los Angeles now with a USC. So they're getting paid without even having to play games. I guess that's a good scenario for them. Right. Yeah. They, they're uh, what another week away from uh, starting play out in the pack 12. All right. Well, Taylor, I'm going to ask you a love it or leave it this Halloween week. Okay. Love it or leave it. Chocolate. Uh, candy is the best candy to get over anything non-chocolate for Halloween. So here's a weird thing about me. I'm actually not a chocolate fan. Like it's okay to me. I know. Especially like, I feel like as a woman, like every woman that I know, like I tell them that and they think I'm, you know, have like a, I don't know, like a t- 11th toe or something like I told him about. <laughs> like it's, it's so like weird, but yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of chocolate. So I, I tend to lean more for like gummy bears or gummy worms or sour patch kit, the watermelon yeah. sour patch kids. I'm all about those ones. If you haven't tried those, trust me, go ahead and grab those ones. But I'm more of a gummy and a fruity type of candy. What about you? Okay. So I'm all chocolate all the time. Reese, Twix, you know, Snickers. So what are you going to give out for Halloween? So we normally will give out like chocolates and stuff. Like I, I don't, I don't buy candy based off of what I like just because I know that it's different. And, and plus like, I don't necessarily want the candy around here. You know, I don't need to be eating it, but um, I, I'm curious if we'll have trick or treaters with the, I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything on our street, but there's a lot of kids on my street. So I'll have candy ready, but I'll probably do some like, you know, Twix, Snickers, Reese's, Milk Duds, those type of things. Okay. And last year, because I had to take my daughter out trick-or-treating and I'm a single parent, I had to do the, you know, I put a bowl on a chair and said, please take one. Yeah. And for the most part, they did. Wow. Because when I got back from trick-or-treating with my daughter, 
there was still some candy in the bowl. Now my son, I had him, you know, kind of replenishing and stuff. So I would imagine you're going to get a lot of candy in a bowl with a sign saying, please take one. Right. With someone looking through the window to refill the bowl so that there's not this contact with the trick-or-treaters, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Pandemic trick-or-treating. There you go. I mean, what more could you want to finish off this week's edition of the flagship podcast? Looking toward Texas's showdown with Oklahoma State. All right. We will be back with uh, the Reacts podcast. Um, and we'll also have a uh, preview of uh, the Oklahoma State um, game with someone from behind the enemy lines. So be looking, <laughs> looking for that on, uh, on Thursday morning. All right. Hey, for Taylor Estes, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, I am Chip Brown. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Flagship Podcast. Happy, safe Halloween, everybody. And until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.